Hello, everyone, and welcome to Live Your Best Life with Liz Bruner. My guest has been called one of the biggest influences of positivity in this generation. He's a former wide receiver in the NFL, turned motivational speaker, reaching more than 60 million people a week. In fact, he has nearly 2 million followers on Instagram alone. He's also an author of two books, the second one being released right now. If you know the handle Rehab Time, then you know whom I'm talking about. Trent Shelton, I am so thrilled to have you joining me on my podcast today. Thank you so much. Well, thanks, Liz. I appreciate you for sharing your platform with me. It's truly an honor. Well, you are one busy guy. So let's jump right <laughs> into the launch of your second book. And I got to see if I can get this title right. Straight up, honest, unfiltered, as real as I can put it advice for life's biggest challenges. That's a pretty big mouthful. It is. <laughs> <laughs> what is the message behind this new book? It's basically that. I tell people you know, all the time, if you follow me online, then obviously my first book, The Greatest You, I love it. But this book to me is, if you love my message online, you're going to love this book because it's just raw, straight to the point. I mean, reading it, it actually sounds like I'm pretty sure you're going to hear my voice in video on the pages. So I just think it's the, the straight up truth and reality check that a lot of people need, young adults and adults. Well, all of your followers, I believe, know you as being very authentic and honest and raw and real. And in this new book, as you said in your first book, which is The Greatest You, Face Reality, Release Negativity, and Live Your Purpose, much of the advice that you share in both of these comes out of your own hard-fought battles and missteps in life. And, you know, most people would want to share that kind of information, but you did. How hard was it for you to be that vulnerable? You know, when I first started my journey, it was pretty tough because one, uh, you know, I was telling stories and I wouldn't say exposing other people, but, you know, other people were involved with it. So that was kind of difficult. I had to be loyal to my truth. And I just tell people all the time, your transparency will lead to your transformation. And it's the greatest freedom that you can have. And people need that. People need to know that, oh, like you went through it too. So I'm not alone in my journey. And so once I started to share and I started to see that people needed that and it really helped them, uh, my transparency, I just became very comfortable with it. But at first it was tough because of the feedback, of the judgment, but uh, my freedom was more important than any of that. And so I just know the things that you enclose and you don't share to the world, it eats you up inside. So mm -hmm. I want to give my voice to the world. I want to take our listeners back to your childhood. From the age of six on, you believed you were destined to be in the NFL. And you did have huge success all the way through college, and everyone was convinced you were going to be drafted. Yeah. But that's not what happened. What did? I, I definitely didn't get drafted, and I can laugh about it now, but uh, it was a very tough time. And even in those moments, uh, you know, my mom was like, are you okay? I had my friends texting me, and I was just answering, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm all right. And I was teaching myself to run from my reality. And a lot of times we do that. We say we're okay when we're not okay. And so I was suppressing and I love to tell people anything you suppress will turn into depression. So that was my first moment of running from my truth. Mm. But blessed enough, I got a call to be an undrafted free agent, high priority. So that means that a team, you know, teams wanted to pick you. They just didn't. So your phone is ringing off the hook. It's like a bidding more. Everybody wants to get you. And so immediately my confidence came back. But when you start at the bottom of the totem pole undrafted, it's a hard journey in the NFL. And my journey was, you know, getting released. 10 times, three different cities in, in, in three years, an unstable life. It was just very hard. I honestly can say that my dream coming true ended up being my biggest nightmare in my life. 
Yeah. So it was the Indianapolis Coats. That was the first one. And that was a huge yeah. roller coaster. The second team was the Seattle Seahawks. And they kept changing their minds. That was yet another roller coaster. <laughs> and then you were with the Washington Redskins. And you were 100% healthy. You signed to the practice squad. And it just never went any further than that. And as you said, for three years, you were kind of bounced around from team to team. And you write about how it made you feel like a failure and you were embarrassed. And you even write in your book, and I'm quoting here, if I acknowledged that my football life was over, I was afraid that I wouldn't have a life at all. Without football, who would I be? That must have been such a scary place. Absolutely, because my whole identity, my whole life was football. You know, my friends introduced me as, hey, this is my friend that plays at Baylor. This is my friend in the NFL. You know, my parents were so proud. Obviously, they'll be proud of anything that I did, but they were so proud. And so in my mind, I was like, for one, I've never had a life outside of sports. So I'm like, what am I going to do with my life? I never worked a nine to five. They say student athlete, but that's not the truth. And so in school, you know, it was football, football, football. And I've seen so many people lose their life. You know, one of my best friends committed suicide because football was over and other things in his life. And so I was truly afraid um, in that moment because I didn't know who Trent Shelton was without the title uh, football player. And you ran from reality. You, you admit to drinking and smoking and partying and running around with women. You didn't care about your life. Yeah. You even say it was a mess at that point. But you just touched on the suicide of your friend who was a college roommate and an NFL player. And you say that was really the rock bottom moment for you. What happened? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I've lost grandmothers and, and uncles and aunts and friends and it hurts. But when you lose somebody that you know was your roommate somebody you know that was your teammate your brother and we were close and when he committed suicide I was out I think fourth of July I was out doing something I probably shouldn't have been doing and I felt so guilty because I wasn't there for him and I think a lot of people go through that when people close to you pass away you think about all the things you should have done you should have said and when I went to his service it was just a reality check and me and another one of my best friends we were like you know all three really close and we just had a question to each other. We're like, bro, like life isn't promised. And if life ended today, will we be satisfied with our life? My thing was I want to make a promise to Anthony because I couldn't change the past. I want to make a promise to him that I would like literally dedicate my life to helping people know their self-worth. And this was so far-fetched. Like I know people hear this now and they're like, oh, okay, Trent, you're Mr. Rehab. This was so far-fetched. Public speaking was my biggest fear. I'm an introverted person by nature. This isn't what I was doing at the time. But I wanted to do something for my friend and other people that struggle and also myself. And so I started rehab and I started speaking. I got outside my comfort zone. And the ironic thing about life is my friend is no longer here, but he's more alive in my life than he's ever been. And his suicide now has helped, I'm sure, countless people not commit suicide. So it's about turning that negative situation to something positive. Absolutely. And I want to touch on that public speaking fear that you have, because you, yeah. you said you're, you're super introverted. <laughs> and yeah, your first sure. speaking engagement that you're asked to do by a friend at a church says, I want you to speak to 5,000 teenagers. We're not talking five or 50. <laughs> We're talking 5,000 teenagers. <laughs> and you, you get out on stage and you say that everything went blank. That has to be terrifying, <laughs> right? Yeah, it, it was definitely terrifying. You know, I, I'm glad sports kind of prepared me to handle things under pressure. But it's a different <laughs> pressure when you have, you know, a lot of kids looking at you and like everything you prepared is like went out the window. 
but that changed my speaking career. It changed everything for me because it made me get out of my mind and into my heart. Obviously, it was a five-minute speech, but that was the moment where I decided to stop pursuing football. It was the moment that I knew this was meant for my life. And from that day on, I don't say I won't say I don't prepare for my speeches because I do, but I don't <laughs> use notes or anything like that. And that day prepared me for just being straight up. You know, it's crazy that in my biggest moment of fear, I found my purpose and I found my courage. So I love I that. have to embrace it. Well, I'm someone who teaches people about public speaking, so I'm glad to hear that you you say you do practice and you do prepare a little bit (laughs) because that is important. What I think is so interesting, too, is, and and you say this, I'm I'm just taking it from your book. You, You say you're a big guy, you got tattoos all over your body, we can see them on your arms. And you don't look the part of an inspirational speaker, (laughs) whatever the heck that's supposed to be. But you do have such a message to share. And and that moment really unlocked potential for you and your purpose. And one of my other favorite quotes of yours is, you don't have to be perfect to help people. You just have to be real. And it's very similar to a quote that I love to share, which is one of mine, which is that sometimes it's more perfect to be imperfect than being perfect because that's being your authentic self. It's like the same thing, right? It's that that authenticity that's so important. Absolutely. I mean, your, your quote is beautiful, man. It's true. I, I, especially in the social media world where we look out and we see the perfection, we see, you know, just the, <laughs> the highlight moments and we think, oh, that's how I have to be. I explain to people all the time, there's speeches where I had a perfect speech. Like I said everything I wanted to say, but it connected with some people and their speeches where I had to me a terrible speech, like mm. mis- malfunctions, trips, <laughs> you know, all these things forgotten. And those were the speeches that people came up to me after and said, man, that really impacted my life. So it let me know that just have to be real and be honest. And I try to teach people this so much in that when you're real, you become relatable and it builds a connection to your audience where they feel you. Right. So it also produces a freedom. Because I think perfection puts you in a prison, puts you in a box, mm-hmm. and you're thinking about not messing up. And so oftentimes when I'm backstage uh, as a speaker, I'm always, you know, my nerves are ramp up. And, you know, no matter how many times I've been on stage, and the thing that I tell myself, I always say, Trent, stop being selfish. Right now you're thinking about yourself. And as soon as I get out of myself and I focus on who I'm serving, those nerves go away. And it's like I give myself permission to just go out there and just be real. I got to say congratulations on that tip, because that's one of the things that I share with clients all the time is it's not about you. It's about them. And when you get out of your head and you're focusing on them and and what you came there to do and and say and share all those nerves, I'm not gonna say they disappear 100 percent, but they, they can kind of they can kind of be put aside. And that's really what your rehab time is all about. And a lot of people might assume that rehab time is about rehabbing from drugs and alcohol. And even though that's a part of your past. That's really not what you mean by rehab time. Can you explain the philosophy behind rehab time? The word rehab for me, it came from an athletic background. You get injured, rehab, just to be real, rehab sucks. You know, like, especially when you're, you want to get back on the field and sometimes you, you know, you don't go through the rehab process properly. You get back on the field and you get hurt even more. And that's a metaphor for life, whether it's relationships, whether for certain things that we don't heal properly, we set ourselves up to get injured even more. And so the word rehab for me meant putting a strength into a weakness. Mm-hmm. And so we all have areas in our life that we can rehab, that we can get better. And the three areas that I've always focused on holistically was mind, body, and soul. My 2009, it was getting into reading books. I need, I, it's funny, I have two books now that I wrote. So I didn't even read books <laughs> at the time. 
it was understanding my habits. It was diving deep in my spiritual. And it was really me understanding my health, mental health, physical health, and emotional health. That's what rehab is all about. It's just about finding the weaknesses, quote unquote, weaknesses in your life that you can better, that you can strengthen. Rehabbing your heart and your body, I think is what you also say, which is such a wonderful metaphor. I am one of your followers and every day I, I love all of your messages and you're sending these out of inspiration to the world. You're often on the trails running and, and sharing these motivational moments. I love it. So I have to ask you, who inspires you? I always get this question. And, <laughs> I'm sure you do. <laughs> and, th and, this, and this is the truthful answer. Outside of, I would say, my circle, my family, because uh, I like to surround myself around people who inspire me. But life, people in general inspire me. Like, obviously, I have people maybe that I listen to their podcasts or this or that. But I am a believer of everybody can teach you something. And so it could be the person at the, at the convenience store that nobody knows that might have a message for me. It could be somebody I meet on the trails that I don't even know. And so I'm always just a sponge of life. So I'm inspired by everything and everybody, whether it's positive or negative. I'm always, okay, I don't want to do that. Or <laughs> I do want to do that. Let me know. So I'm just a person that, that loves to be inspired by anything around me. And, and that's just as important too, that piece of going, I, I know I don't want that in my life, right? Yeah. Exactly. And, and I'm sure, as you said, your family inspires you. You have a beautiful wife and three children and really a lovely family. This whole podcast, Trent, that I started is all about people who have recreated their lives. And you certainly have done that and you continue to do that. And everyone's definition of a best life is different. What does living your best life mean to you? And what advice would you have for our listeners so that they too can live their best life? My best life means fulfillment to me. And fulfillment for me probably looks different than most people. You know, we, we use the word success. And I know the world has a view of success. And I tell everybody, like, be the greatest version of yourself. Whatever it is that you want to do, go achieve it. But success means nothing if you're not fulfilled. For me, my best life is being fulfilled, being the man that my family needs to be, being the man that the community needs me to, me to be, and being the man that I feel like God created me to be. My advice to people out there is to understand your definition of fulfillment. Like what is going to fulfill you? Because that's what matters. Because fulfillment, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what's going on in your life, great or not great, if you have those things that fulfill you, it really helps your mental health. And I feel like mental health is everything. That's why I'm always saying protect your peace as much as I can. What's next for you, Trent? I mean, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you've got two books out now. I'm so jealous because I can't even write my first one yet. I'm working on it. <laughs> but what's next for you? I mean, you're out there all the time and you're sharing your message of positivity with people. What's next for you? What goals do you have? I will say this about goals because I know somebody's going to hear this podcast episode like, Trent doesn't believe in goals. <laughs> so I always, I always think about this. I believe in goals, but I'm always thinking about standards. I say goals are something that you reach, standards are something that you live by. So I'm always trying to make it a goal to make that goal a standard in my life so I don't go up and down all the time. What's next for me is me continuing to do what I'm doing right now. And I know that's a very vague answer, but I know that there's so many people in this world that haven't heard the message of rehab time that need the message. So there's more hearts to be touched by videos. I'm sure another book is in the works. We're diving in deeper with films. Um, I want to really get into films. That's like my Mount Everest right now. I want to be able to create inspirational films for people to really change their life, whether that's on Netflix or whatever it may be. And really focusing on 
wellness. And so you're probably going to see a lot of uh, fitness stuff for me, emotional fit, physical fit, and spiritual fit things that we're going to be rolling out here in the next, you know, six to 12 months. Fantastic. Well, I have to tell people, go to your website, trentshelton.com, T-R-E-N-T-S-H-E-L-T-O-N.com. Follow you on social media because you've got such great stuff out there. Don't forget to check out both of your books straight up. That's all I'm going to say. And The Greatest You because yeah, both have such long titles. But Trent, really, I enjoyed reading The Greatest You and I can't wait to read straight up because I'm sure it's going to be as awesome as that first book is. And I thank you so much for joining me today and sharing so much of yourself so honestly, not only with me, but also with our listeners. I really appreciate that. Thanks, Liz. I appreciate you. And your office setup just inspired me. Oh, so this is virtual. Gonna, Do you like this? <laughs> yeah, this is, this is so cool. So like I'm already, we're moving into a new house and I'm like, I'm going to screenshot this. So like, I want this to be my background. So I'll, I'll send it credit. to you if you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, take care. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. And to all of you listening, I really hope that you're going to take Trent's message of just taking that one step forward and doing something every day to make progress and being the best version of yourself in your life, whatever that means to you. And thanks for joining Trent and me today. And until next time, be well. This podcast is brought to you in part by Fast Twitch Media, helping people tell their stories and giving them worldwide reach. The future is in the cloud and Fast Twitch Media can take you there. Be your best digital self. Check out fasttwitchmedia.space.